Hello, welcome to the Lanky Guys. This is the word. Well, this is the Word on the Hill podcast, and we're the Lanky Guys. You guys, do you know how much fun every single time I know that if I announce this podcast is the Lanky Guys, it'll just throw you off. Yeah, yeah, I know you that you know that, and it bothers me. That's very meta. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not. It's okay. I know that you know that I know that you know that it will bother me, and so we just we play our game together. We fit our roles. <laughs> <laughs> We're just doing our little jobs. Anyway, I'm Dr. Scott Powell. And he's Dr. Scott Powell. That's right. And who are you? Um, I am the mystery man. Ooh, who you, could it be? Who could it be now? Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, I, my name is Father Peter Michael Thomas Baptiste Elias Sixtus Anthony Elysius Claire Mosset. Have you added some since last I, I have. I have. <laughs> you just regularly add Dude, middle uh, names. Are you impressed that I could just rattle that off just out of nowhere? Of course. Now I'm worried is that we just recorded my true name and now anybody could say it. Yeah. It's, um, well, God made himself vulnerable enough to do that with Moses. That's so good. now you are. Yeah, yeah. So you are being like God, like unto God. <laughs> wow! Oh. Wow! That's a way to start the fifth Sunday in ordinary time. It is, but but it is the fifth Sunday in ordinary time. Uh, this is we've. I, it's what, the can fifth I Sunday just, of Easter. Can I? Conf- what did I just say? Of ordinary time. Can I confess to the people that this yes. is our fifth beginning of the podcast? <laughs> this is number five. Take five. <laughs> Word on the Hill podcast, take five. I wish we had one of those the, clip things. Yeah, the last the last oh time Scott was talking about how he ate um, Easter candy off the garage floor. I ate one chocolate ball, <laughs> that was, and it was not worth it. It was not worth it. It was it was sullied, wasn't it? It was just you know it had kind of it had been sitting in the garage and got all crusty. And you made a wonderful metaphor to sin. The metaphorical chocolate that you think that you find on the floor is going to be good and satisfying, and it never is. It never and is. And you're always disappointed. You're it like, promises I have eaten that. a lot. It promises a lot, but it gives you a little. Which anyway, uh, which is definitely not, not what a the good scriptures segue. are. Um, uh, it's quite the opposite. They quite well, no, that's not the opposite either. They promise a lot and they give a lot. Right? They do. All right. Well, that being said, it is uh, yeah the fifth Sunday of Easter, as we've said. Our first reading is coming from the Book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter six, verses one through seven. And uh, then our responsorial psalm is mm. Psalm 33. Let your mercy be upon us. As we place our trust in you. Yeah. Which is, uh, that's verse 22. Yeah, it is. And uh, otherwise it's 1 to 2, 4 to 5, 18 to 19. Yeah, it is. Our second reading is coming from First uh, Peter, the first epistle of Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. And then our gospel, this here lovely day. Is uh, John fourteen one through twelve? Yeah, yeah. That was All right. That was, um, dude. Why didn't we like say anything funny during that? Normally, like we, we said just, a couple like, funny things, didn't we? Like, yeah, not no, really. we didn't. No, normally it's just like totally interrupted by some random thought. I think everyone's probably relieved that we're not doing that. Yeah, this is like a, I don't know. Maybe you guys are. This is a meta podcast today. How so? I just keep talking about the structures and by which we podcast. We're revealing all of our secrets. Yeah, we're revealing too much. You revealed your name. Wait, was that on this take or one of the other five <laughs> takes? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Uh, I really don't know. I don't either. Well, Father Peter has like 18 middle names. And on one of the takes, he revealed them. But I don't think it's this one. I think it is. You think? Well, I, 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 there's no way to know. Uh, well, our anyway, first reading is uh, from the Acts, dude. The Acts of the Apostles. Oh, 
so much to say. So can I can I just confess? I I, I know I confess this. I feel like too much. <laughs> uh, I could not find the narrative thread in these readings, and I, for a couple days that I've kind of been pondering. You know, not not. Today was the first day I really dug in and, you know, plowed through. But for a few days, I've kind of been reading through them. And and I, I've tried to stick and abide by our unspoken policy, which is always spoken, that we don't go back and listen to the previous podcast, or at least whenever possible. Okay. Because I didn't want to go back and be like, but but it's really kind of killing me, just wondering what on earth. Because I know what I have this week is not what I had three years ago. And I have no idea what connection we made then. I don't either. Because these are kind of weird readings. Dude, I have no, to say. No, they're not weird readings, but I don't see how they, well, okay, I, I have thoughts on how they fit. Dude, I uh, I was, you shared with me some insights that we had last week or like two weeks ago about the sheep gate and the sheep and and like I was really impressed with what I had said in the podcast. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I shared your insights. They it's were really to, good. Back to me and I was impressed yeah. with myself. As you should have been. I know. And I'm like, I'm like, man, where are my insights? They're three years ago. Oh, I know. <laughs> no, dude. no, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. Now, dude, the, the insights are, are fresh and alive. Fresh and alive. All right. So, okay. Um, con- I, a little bit of context, not much, for Acts chapter 6. Basically, the only context we really need to know at the moment is that from the beginning of Acts, the church, the fledgling church, is growing, uh, thriving, building in number, you know, day by day, as Acts 2 told us. And if you remember, it was a few weeks ago, it was Acts chapter 2, remember, it talked about how the apostles and the, the disciples devoted themselves to, you know, the apostles' teaching and the breaking of the bread and to the fellowship and to the prayers. And it was this almost idyllic sounding vision of the church, right? This utopian right. kind of a deal, which I, I think Luke is borrowing from Plato in his Republic and describing this vision of what a city is supposed to be. And he's saying, it is the church. And that's real. And, and, you know, these numbers have been growing and we're probably talking about thousands of people. Well, today is the day that things kind of begin to not unravel, but today's a good um, insight into the struggles and the difficulties that the community really does face. It's when things stop being polite and start getting real. Yeah, exactly. And and so we, we get a little bit of insight into that. There's other insights elsewhere. But so what we read is that uh, here in chapter six, as the number of the disciples continued to grow. And remember, our starting point back in chapter two after Pentecost was like 3,000. So it's continuing to grow. So we're, you know, we're in six chapters in, <laughs> right? right? So we're talking about a lot of folks, right? which is just important to keep in mind. So it's continuing to grow, and it says the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews. The Hellenists complained against the Hebrews. So first of all, who are those two groups? Be- uh, aren't the Hellenists um, uh, the people who are infatuated with Helen of Troy? Uh, no. <laughs> Come on, that was a joke. I mean, like no, that's like the I, legend. Everybody's well, obsessed with Helen of Troy. I was trying to think if there actually is a connection between the term Hellenism or, or things of the Greek culture, Helen. But I don't think there's a connection to Helen of Troy, unfortunately. Dude, the problem with all the Sorry. Hellenists is they're going to hell in a handbasket. Ah. I saw a bumper sticker the other day that just said, "Where are we going, and why are we in this handbasket?" <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> that was very witty. Yeah, I didn't make it up. Okay, so who are the Hellenists? <laughs> it brings us back to the original question. Who are the Hellenists? Do you know? Um, the Hellenists, they're, they are the, um, those who are within, this is speculation. I'm just trying here. Okay. They are those who are within the Jewish world from the diaspora who have taken on Greek culture and then have returned back to um, oh. Jerusalem and who are 
trying to adopt the kind of wider Hellenistic cultural practices into Judaism? Wow, that was a very thoughtful answer. Thank you. Not that I didn't expect you to give a very thoughtful answer. <laughs> the, um, uh, wow. Well, let me let me preface by saying nobody's a hundred percent sure about who they are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that, that so being my said, speculation is really just that your speculation is probably correct. Um, the new the, the, the this wasn't a trick question, but I, I kind of thought that I would get you because there's <laughs> thanks, a, thanks for thinking of me. Well, I I. I <laughs> The first thought that I had, and, and this is such a small point, so I don't mean to belabor this this point. There's a shift in the book of Acts of the Apostles where the gospel moves, it's around chapter 8 and 9, right? Where the gospel moves from being preached almost exclusively to the Jewish population right. to going out toward the ends of the earth. We're still within the portion of the book where we're preaching to the Jews, right? Right. So whoever the Hellenists are, they're Jewish, so yeah, you, you're, that possibility is are these you know Jews from the diaspora who have kind of um, been permeated with Greek culture? That's possible. Could they also be Greeks or people from the Hellenist? Helen, by the way, is a, a short, short, shorthand term for things having to do with the Greeks, right? Or right. the Greek Empire or a Greek. Um, so they're probably yeah, possibly Jews from the diaspora. There also might be um, Greeks who have become Jewish. So Jewish converts, you know, yeah. from Hellenism. We're not sure, but the point is that they're Jewish. So we're not talking about, and the reason that's important to point out, we're not talking about Gentiles and Jewish people, right? We're talking about Jews, Jews from a Greek point of view and Jews from a Hebrew point of view. God. Who are now believers, who are Christians, to add another category to who these people are. So we're still within the believing community, right? We're in Jerusalem. And apparently what's happening, and, and the reason you said that is kind of important to me, because what's the problem? Well, the problem is the Hellenists, these people, either from Greek backgrounds or maybe they're converts or what, whoever they are, they're complaining because their widows are being neglected in the daily distribution. And it doesn't tell us what the daily distribution is. Um, it's probably, you know, if you remember, first of all, from the Old Testament, caring for widows was like covenant-level importance. And throughout the Old Testament, from Leviticus to Deuteronomy, through the Old Law, through the prophets, all over the place, caring for widows was like uh, one of the pinnacles of what it meant to be a follower of Yahweh. Well, yeah, it's and profoundly it's, important. Well, and it's not just widows, but it's the poor in general. And right. wi widows were considered like a summit of the poor. They tend, they embody right. in a certain sense. I mean, like, yeah. like I mean, to the point on where, it, like, metaphors like uh, lit eye, like, like that would actually be the eye is the window to the soul. Mm, that's interesting. That, that, that in fact, if you were if you if you have forsaken giving to the poor, then you were like forsaking your own eye yeah that's like, absolutely it's, it's that level of importance and intensity absolutely um so that's who the widow so this is a big deal the daily distribution uh i i had a whole bunch of commentaries out and one of them i was reading said the daily distribution was actually um we know from jewish history that there were kind of basically the equivalents of soup kitchens that were sort of set up to care for the poor every day and, and things were distributed and they were cared for and fed Apparently, those from Greek backgrounds are being uh, neglected or not cared for or ignored or discriminated against in some way. So this is a big problem, right? So even within the believing community, even within the Jewish now Christian believing community, there's still strife. There's still divisions. And, and they had to call the ACLU. <laughs> Basically, which is the apostles in this case. <laughs> right? So they called the 12 together. The tw Who are the 12? The, the apostles, right? So the 12 heard about this. They called together the community of disciples and they said, it's not right for us to neglect the word of God to serve at table. This is the level to them of 
of neglecting God's word to not care for the poor in this way. And that's important just to note. This is a huge deal for them. One of the other things that's sort of important, this is, and I, I don't mean this in a negative sense. I really, really don't. Don't be negative. But this is the first time, I think, in Acts of the Apostles that you see the concept of bureaucracy start to move its way in. <laughs> because it, I think, yeah. and I don't. again, I don't mean this in a negative way. This is the first time that it doesn't seem like the church or the apostles solely call on the Holy Spirit to choose who we're going to lead next they actually realize we need to get together and work through and kind of figure this out as well. We need people who are guided by the Holy Spirit. So this is, in a nutshell, the place where it's believed, and we're not 100% sure, it's believed that these are the first deacons of the church. Right. Diakonos means to serve, literally. Um, If you look at their names, they're all Greek names. They're Hellenistic names. So they're coming from this underrepresented community, but they're appointed essentially by committee. Right, the, the committee happens to be the 12 apostles. It is the hierarchical structure of the church making decisions. But you see this movement of, it's not just simply the, 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 the apostles saying, okay, God, just show us who it's going to be. It's them now saying, okay, now we've been guided by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We've been empowered. We've been given this grace to now sit down and discern what the community actually needs. So I mean bureaucracy in the best possible way. Yeah, well, now we need governance. Well, and, yeah, and governance. What is what is really the purpose of governance? But to get resources to where they're most needed. Exactly. Right. I mean, that's that's what administration is. Exactly right. I was reading some commentaries that are like, yeah, this is the moment that everything becomes very human, kind of a thing, which I don't think is the case. But it's where the church gets to kind of tap into the discernment that they've been given. Well, it's just like it's like, hey, we got to find some folks who will do this right. Absolutely. Which is interesting that they're all Greek names. I mean, because who's underrepresented? The Greek, the Greek, the Hellenist. The Hellenist, yeah. yeah. But but then it's so funny because I wonder if there was a little bit of panic by the by the uh, is Israel's community, like the 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 Jewish community, saying like. Um, I mean, or how do, how does it say the Hebrews or what does it say? It says the um, uh, complained against the Hebrews because their widows yeah, yeah, were yeah, being yeah, neglected. Yeah, right. Got it. So so it's like, well, they have a sense of fairness and equality. I wonder. Yeah. Well, I wonder if the Hebrews that they're complaining to happen to be the twelve. I'm not totally sure, but the twelve are Hebrew, right? They're all Jewish. Yeah. Well, they're, they, these guys are Jewish as well, so. Well, yeah, it's but there it's, is a sense of fairness, yeah. Well, it's it's also like it's it's an interesting thing. My definition of leadership in the, in this kind of contemporary age is seeing something that should be there but is not, and then doing something about it. Oh, very good. So that's I'm, good. So I'm wondering. Is that's very good. They, uh, you know, they chose these men. I mean, Stephen. Stephen could actually be a Hebrew, couldn't he? I think then. Yeah. I, I don't think this is exclusively Hellenist, but I think it's majority Hellenist. I think Stephen is a Greek name, though. Oh, okay. I think etymologically, I think okay. it's a Greek name. So it's so it's interesting that that it's it's like okay, you guys brought the problem. Guess what you guys get to do? You guys get to make this right. Yeah, like which they're this, probably thrilled about. Yeah, they're they're like okay, absolutely, we're going to do this fairly. Like I have a feeling that some Hellenists, namely these men. The, the 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 apostles are like sweet. Well, then obviously the Lord has given you sight. Yeah, and, right. And yeah, that's in, good. In the vision, absolutely, we will we will actually lay hands on you and give you a special 
movement within the community because of your, what you see. And that's what's so important here is that it isn't just, okay, these people are underrepresented. Can you guys go help out? It's an ordained office. The right. laying on of hands, there's no mistaking, the laying right. on of hands is an act of ordination that they're doing. And again, what does it say they're called to do? To go and serve. What's the word for serve? Diakonos, right? So there's a laying on of hands, ordination. What are they to do? Go and diakonos, which is, of course, why we think these are the first deacons. Dude, an I, ordained ministry to go and serve. I just have to say, in the contemporary age where everybody's looking for all these unique names, mm. dude, where is Prochorus <laughs> or Nicanor? Timon was Timon. in Lion King. Timon? Wasn't that the, the meerkat? The meerkat. Timon and Pumbaa? Timon? I think you're right. Timon Thank and you. Pumbaa. Yeah, yeah. And, and Parmenas, dude. Yeah. Hello, my name is Parminas. <laughs> you killed my father. You killed my father prepared to die. Somebody put, you remember your, uh, what was that line you had? My name of is course. Peter, you killed my savior. Oh, prepared yeah. to be saved. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> put that as their ring on their phone. Well, there, there's the ringtone. I can't remember Shout who Shout out was. to you who did that. Yes, well, it was Scott's, Scott's memory is terrible. Thank you. <laughs> no, um, notice it how is I worth, didn't remember either. It is worth noting that only two of these names show up again. Uh, obviously, these are significant people, but only two of them will be mentioned again. Do you know who they are? Philip. Philip, of course, with the Ethiopian eunuch and that whole thing. Stephen. And then Stephen. Now, Stephen's martyred. Okay, so let's leave that there. Is that cool? But, but hold on. Wasn't, okay. Was Philip the deacon or was Philip the apostle? I think it's a different guy. You think so? I, I do think so. Well, because, dude, like, as far as things go, I'm looking at Philip the apostle and, like, he has one shining moment in all of scriptures. He does, which is this week's gospel. Which is, uh, yeah, exactly. He says, I, you know, he's the one guy who asks a stupid question to Jesus. <laughs> How will we know that there will be enough for us? No. He says, will you just, just oh, show, show us, us the and Father? that will be enough for us. And that'll be enough. And he's, he's, he's Sorry, like, I misread it. He's like, have I been with you this long and you just didn't even listen to You're me totally at all? You're totally getting ahead of us, though. This is the gospel for this week. I know. Okay. It's a long gospel. I don't think it's the same guy, though. I don't think, okay, ecclesially, I don't think it can be. If these are deacons, and Philip is an apostle, that makes him a bishop. A bishop can't be a deacon as well. He's Uh, ordained by one of the 12. That's a good point. Because if Philip is one of the 12, then how could one of the 12 be ordaining him to something else? I I, I can't be the same guy. Dude, whenever I think of the uh, the name Philip, I just think of a dude with a mustache. Really? I think of a guy I went to elementary school with. Hmm. Philip Aswad. I also Here's think cool. of a gas station. Fill up. Fill up. Fill her up. Fill up 66. Um, so because of this, the way that this kind of reading wraps up, they present these guys to the apostles. They laid hands on them. The word of God continued to spread. And the number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly. It was huge, right? Even a large group of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. It's oh an interesting sort goodness. of last note for... Luke in this passage, but also the church in choosing this passage to leave us with. Oh, by the way, a bunch. Uh, so in this passage about the ragtag, you know, out of work fishermen apostles who now have this authority to ordain to office these Hellenistic deacons. Oh, by the way, the Jewish priests are also starting to convert, which is just this weird kind of aside. But in the midst of these people, it's this premise that you see in the Bible a lot, especially in the New Testament. God taking those who had no authority and giving them authority, right? And then the ones who had authority, in other words, the Jewish priests, are coming to those who had no authority and actually being witness to their authority. 
Yep. That was a lot of the word authority. But it's the side note, which I think is actually important. I want to come back to it. Yeah. Okay. So that is what it is. Then let's move on. So then we have the psalm. So I'll just let that sit there. Ordination of, of deacons, very interesting story. A lot of ecclesial history here. Well, it's, ne- it's interesting, Nito. too, because you're seeing the inversion of new orders of service at yes. the at the altar and at yes. the table and uh, by the diaconate, but then the priesthood, it's like you're, you're seeing an inversion of, yes, that's of, it. of things. That's so what I was say, trying to say and I couldn't articulate. Okay, so yeah, yeah. You. yeah. Yeah, yeah. you just, I understood you and I wanted to actually like express it back to you. Thanks, Father Peter. In a way that was intelligible. <laughs> Thanks, Father Peter. <laughs> that backhanded comment. Yeah, hey man, dude, oh, that's, yeah. dude, hey, if, if somebody gives you your left cheek, give them your right too. All right. I just backhanded you. Thanks, man. You're welcome. All right, Psalm twenty, Psalm thirty-three. Lord, let your mercy be upon us as we place our trust in you. Um, I, I'm, I don't think this is a stretch to say the way in which the church in the first reading is placing its trust in God is by presenting a problem to the apostles. Let me say that again. Okay. The way that the church in the first reading is placing its trust in God, which mm-hmm. is what the psalm says to do, yep, is presenting their problems to the apostles. Oh, yeah. Because this is the whole point of Acts of the Apostles, right? It's recognizing an authority within something from God, saying that there is a presence of God residing in the authority and the ordination by which you have. Exactly right. So the, the, the whole premise of Acts of the Apostles, what Jesus did in the Gospels, the church continues to do in Acts. Right. So how do we place our trust in Christ and in God? Well, by turning to the church. Right. That's a very practical way to do that. So you could sit in your room with the door closed and pray to God that these widows be helped, which is very good. Or you could also go to the apostles and say, hey, these widows aren't being helped. We need to do something about it and trust that God will work through his church. So I'm just seeing it's a small point. Maybe it's not a small point. It's a simple point. But I'm seeing the ecclesiology of the Church of Acts of the Apostles played out in this psalm, which is just kind of beautiful. Yes. That this is the way in which we place our trust in you. And, and, and as a result, God's mercy is upon them because guess what? A whole new ordained order of men shows up because we placed our trust in God through his church. And this answer, this answer of mercy, which is the deacons, the order of deacons, is actually given to them. Which in the psalm, it says, upright is the word of the Lord, and all his works are trustworthy. Mm-hmm. So we're recognizing, okay, there are some who actually have to minister the word of God yes. so that we can understand on a higher theoretical level of what's going to happen. And then he says, he loves justice and right. This actually translates into the way in which we function in our daily lives. The ministry of the word of God is transformative, so much so that, that we can see that justice and right are played out. And then the kindness of the Lord, the earth is full. So it's like, it's 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 like huh. high theory into the practical realities that bring about affection and goodness. And yes. right, and, I, and that's what the apostles are. That's what the early church is experiencing. This kind of community that the psalm is is speaking about. I think you're totally right, dude. Bring on a community time. Do you know we no. used to we used to uh, in seminary we used to have a thing called forced fun and they would like make us hang out during the day <laughs> with each other and uh, oh never call we, it that I know you never call it that but it, it, it but yeah. it was it was still fun that's funny well there's a but though Dude, to, the, to the affection and the the, the I think Sir Mix a lot has a, has a 25th anniversary <laughs> of his song about that he does a couple of weeks a couple of days ago um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the but comes in First Peter. 
<laughs> yeah, I see you see what I did there. Okay. I, I okay, let me see if I can work this out. I, I'm I'm just putting the pieces together of these readings. Like how do these fit together? Because again, I'm struggling with it a little bit. But but here's the thought. Okay. So first Peter says this. Beloved, now remember this is again Peter much later in life having having you know gone through all these struggles and uh, rejected Jesus and been a hothead and all these things come back and then given given his chance to be the bishop and the pope Pope and figure you know and now looking back so in that light he says come to him uh beloved come to him a living stone rejected by human beings but chosen and precious in the sight of God and like living stones let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in Scripture, I am laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone chosen and precious, blah, blah, blah. Not blah, 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 but but he's. <laughs> we're talking about the building of the church. I always love it when you say blah, blah, blah about the Scripture. <laughs> but this house, of course, is the church that's being built up and all right. of these aspects of the church, including the priesthood and the bishops and the, himself, who is the pope, and the diaconate and all these things. Now, that is... To me, in light of the first reading, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking context-wise, right? So we're, we get this wonderful little reading in the first reading about these deacons being ordained to go and do these things, and the faith is increasing, and everyone's converting, and everything is super, right? But immediately after this, do you know what happens right in the next chapter? Um, is that when we start to have some problems with Peter and Paul and, no, and all yet. this stuff? That's with... later on. Okay, no, I this don't know is... what happens next. One of these deacons gets martyred. Stephen. Yeah, the first the first martyr, Stephen, which is why you'll notice even as, as in the first reading as Luke is describing these deacons, Stephen is kind of set apart from the description of the rest because he knows where the story's going. And he knows that this deacon is going to be the first the church's first martyr in a real way, right? So I, I'm hearing I'm reading this first reading about God building up the church, ordaining these ministers, building this house in a very real way. But then this living stone, this cornerstone that's rejected, that is precious in the sight of God, but that is rejected by human beings. I mean, Stephen is embodying that story. Yes. He is part of that house that's being built up. He is part of that ordination. And he is going to be, because again, if the story of Acts of the Apostles is what Jesus did in the Gospels, the church does in Acts, right. Stephen is now embodying Jesus as the living stone rejected by the builders. In the midst of this building up of the house, this corner of the house or this part of the house is actually ripped apart and destroyed. And it's that destruction, of course, that God will use to build it back up even more glorious because our sacrifices can be used for God's glory, right? Right. But I'm hearing, you know, in between the lines, this narrative of Stephen's life, what's about to happen in the first reading, Peter then reflecting on in light of what the church is. Does that make sense? Yes. I don't know if it's too much of a stretch or not, but it, I think it fits. Yeah. Which which I think, again, take this for whatever you want, and I have no idea what I said three years ago. This is my segue into the gospel, and this is my take on the gospel, and I, and we'll, we'll see if it works. Okay. okay um, talk to me, Ace. Okay, so here's the gospel. And the gospel, this is great because it's a pretty familiar gospel, but I'm seeing it in a new light. We've even had it like in daily mass and Sunday mass. Have we already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is kind of like a, this is like a post overture. It's like putting a bunch of pieces together of which we've been having. Yeah. So to put this one in context, we're in, we're in John 14, right before this was actually Peter saying, Lord, I will never betray you. Mm. And Jesus is like, yeah, you're going you're gonna to do it. And you're going to bonk. You're going to bonk. It's going to be bad. And then we jump into this week's reading, which is Jesus saying, but that's okay. Don't let your hearts be troubled. 
I know you're going to do this. I know you're going to fall flat on your face and I'm going to be crucified. And there's all these warnings he's given, but don't let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If there were not, I would not have told you that I'm going to go. Would I not have told you? Would what I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to myself so that's, so that where I am going, you also may be. Where I am going, you may know the way. Thomas said to him, Master, we don't know where you're going, which is a really honest answer. Because he's like, where I'm going, I'm preparing a place for you. And he's like, we don't know what you're talking about. Like, I know you're going to Jerusalem, but what? Where? Um, we don't know where you're going. I like Thomas because he's just honest. And he always gets a bad rap for it, but Jesus is merciful with him. Um, I don't know where you're going. Where are we? Do, 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 do. How can we know the way? Right. And Jesus gives, of course, the, the trick answer. I am the way and the truth and the life. And he's like, well, that's not helpful right now. Prior to Pentecost, right? No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, then you will also know my Father. From now on, do know him. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip, the other Philip, presumably, <laughs> says... I love this line. It, it, it is a really funny line. He's like, no, Master, just show us the Father, and that's all. That's all we need. That's enough for us. This little tiny favor. Show us the living God who created all things and holds all things in existence. Just show that to us, and we'll be fine, which is just an absurd we, thing to say. Well, it's just so funny because he's like Jesus is like, you can feel Jesus like leaning out and telling them all the mysteries that he is one with the Father in this uh, profound expression, but then... Philip's like, uh, I, uh, just like, would you like repeat the question? Is this going to be on the final? Is this going to be on the test? Like that's, that, that, that's what it feels like. Like, no. I mean, and I, but I love your profound read of it. Of you're just saying, well, I haven't like, read it yet. I haven't given you my profound read yet. No, I mean, even just saying like, show us the eternal oh, living God and that'll be enough for us. <laughs> well, yeah, that it's, it's kind of absurd. It's if like, you give really us think a, about a mystical vision of the origin and source of all things. That's enough. That's all. That's and all. Then, and then we're cool. And then he's like, have I been you with you for so long and still you don't know me? If you From now on, you do know him and you have yeah. seen him. Yeah. And that's me, bro. But he's still, we still have this thing hanging there about Jesus is going someplace. Or at least that's the way he describes it. Yeah. And I'm thinking about, okay, Jesus is going someplace. Where is he going? Well, let's think about this in terms of the, the previous reading and the second reading. Where is he going? Well, the living stone is going to be rejected by the builders, and he's going to be cast out. The stone, where is he going? He's going to be cast out. Jesus is actually inviting the apostles to come along in that, mm. which Stephen will be the first, quite frankly, to be like that, go right. where he's going. In other words, to be cast out. And I, I kept reflecting on this reading, which, again, I've heard it a million times before. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places or many rooms um, there are some, I think, bad translations that have really stuck in in Christian and popular culture okay. about describing the father's houses. There, there's a translation that talks about the, my father's mansion, or in the mansion of my father's house, there are many bedrooms and rooms. There, there's even a, there was a, a, back in my kind of more Protestant days, there was this Christian song about, in my father's house, remember, in my father's house, it's a big, big house with oh, a yeah. table full of food, and we'll play football in the yard and stuff, and you know, which is fine. But I actually think that reading of it has hindered our understanding of what this might really mean. Well, and I'm trying to think of the church's understanding here in this schema of readings. Well, I mean, isn't there a certain, I mean, okay, in the schema of readings, what we're talking about the first reading, we see a, a large number of priests are being converted. 
Um, yeah. And so, and then we see this kind of uh, expression uh, here of all of these conversions and the apostles. And he says, um, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Isn't it? I mean, like in the temple, there were apartments, by the way. I mean, like. Yes. And so like when I think of the, the father's house, I think of the same kind of expression that it's the temple yes. and that at the core and that at the very center of this is the is the presence of God, but that, that we're yes. gathered into the temple of Christ. Yes. And the the, 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 uh, the house that we're talking to about is is not just some sort of like alternative like castle made of sand will tumble into the sea eventually but like <laughs> Jimmy the, nice work Jimmy yeah but but more like a, a, a temple expression or a big fancy mansion like a vacation house where we're all going to go and party and have a good time it, it, it we're talking liturgical here it is a temple that is I mean every time it t- he talks about my father's house elsewhere in the gospels He's talking about the temple, right? You have made my father's house into a den of robbers and thieves, oh, right? Oh, yeah. This is the reference did you, did for my father's house. Did you not know that house. I was going to be in? My, I had to be in my father's house my when father's, Mary and Joseph exactly were looking right. for him. We should be thinking in terms of temple language. Where is he going? He's going to his father's house, the temple, where he will be rejected, right? Mm. That's a part of it. But then, what is the temple? Well, the temple is Jesus Himself. Who is going to die and be torn down and rise again? Mm. What's at the heart of the temple? The presence of God. So then I'm thinking to myself, okay, what are these dwelling places or rooms? The, the word in, in Greek, by the way, is meno, which means to remain. It can be made into a verb as well, to abide or to remain. What are these places of abiding? What are these places of remaining? I wonder. Okay, now this is where it gets a little crazy. Okay. What if these places are actually not bedrooms, you know, with a little bed and a nightstand over in the corner? What if these places he's talking about are actually these ordained ministries that we tapped into in the first reading? What if the Father's house, having many dwelling places, means we all have these vocations within the Father's temple, surrounding these orbits around Jesus, these spokes of the wheel, which is our Lord, we actually become the temple, which is his body, in which some of us have the roles of preachers and priests and some bishops and some one person, the Pope, and others teachers and others mothers and fathers and some deacons. But these are the places in which we abide because these rooms that God has prepared for us, I'm reading in light of the first reading and I'm thinking of someone like Philip or Stephen who is hopefully having this realization like, oh, this is the room that God has prepared for me from the beginning. I have prepared a place for you to be a deacon so that you can serve the Hellenistic widows who are not being fed. That is the place that I have prepared for you. Yes, there is an, an esch- yeah. eschatological reality as well. There's an end time sort of a thing where we'll all be with him in paradise. Yes, of course. But what if there is another level of we're being built into the temple that is him and the places that he's prepared. He prepared for all of eternity for you and I to have a podcast that would reach certain people out there listening on their iPods. Yeah, He's I, prepared for all of eternity for you to have the priestly ministry at this parish. Well, and that's where I see in the second reading, there's a hermeneutic key for those yes, of you who yes, are listening, who are saying, well, that's nice for you, Father. <laughs> that's nice for you, Deacon. But it says that... Um, uh, come to him, a living stone rejected by human beings and precious in the sight of God, like living stones. Let yourself be built into a spiritual house That's it. to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's it. So it's not, and and we, uh, this emphasis, the catechism emphasizes this, the um, uh, Vatican Council too, that we are a holy priesthood, that there are ministerial priests and that there are roles within priesthood and there are orders of priesthood. 
Um, but that, that why would you be in the temple living in one of those things if not in orbit? I like the way you use orbit. It's this, it's this sense of, um, you know, when Jesus says there's going to come a time where you see thousands upon thousands of uh, people ministering, we, Jacob's ladder, we call that one, mm. um, uh, where, where um, we ourselves actually become this moment and we're called upon. Why would you be in, why would you be living in the temple except for to fulfill ministry within the temple itself? I think of Samuel, little Samuel in the Old Testament, literally right. sleeping before the tabernacle. Abiding, menoing, yes, right there, and 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 which brings about the reason why you would have the daily distribution, yeah, is that is that it's it's those who have, it's it's saying we're being built up into a, an edifice of living stones that they're like when we neglect the the Hellenists. The widows, they have a specific ordained expression and plan that's present, and that when you neglect the you feeding ain't taking of care of them, the house, right? And and we're talking about body and spirit. The, yeah, the yeah. word of God is actually to help people to understand, but that we also need real energy. We need to take care of this house, and right. we're being built up. And that that's clean the gutters. That's what the that's what the um the I mean I think that that's the ideal of this monastic living is that there are people who are called upon to have specific ministries within the city of God that's and it. and that the whole world is being built into the city of God and that as we're paying attention that we must um, feed both body and spirit to be able to accomplish these ministries that are expressed in the, in the full gamut. Stretch the analogy. If the world is being built into the city of God, as you said, the city of God, if you're thinking from the Jewish mindset, oh, that's Zion, that's Jerusalem. Mm. Well, what's at the center of the city of God? The Presence. temple. Yeah. The church. The church. So what's at the center of our world, which is being built into the city of God? The church is the heart and soul. What's the heart and soul of the church? Jesus himself. And then you have these, you know, spheres of influence. I mean, which is exactly the opposite of how we tend to look at the world, right? Which is just this evil encroaching thing that's, you know, set on our destruction, that hates us and all these things, which it does. And Jesus is pretty clear. The world will hate you because they hated me. But at the same time, God is transforming the world right. for himself because it is his city. And at the center of that city is the temple. Right. And sometimes that temple can be misused and misconstrued, but in the middle, of that, that's who we are. And again, you're, you're right, the hermeneutic key is in the second reading because it says you are being built into a spiritual house. So my father has a house, and guess what? It's you. You are a part of that house. You are being built into it. Is that, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by this. She's a brick. House. House. Dude, I was thinking Transformers, like... Like, like, and then I'd like transform into a stone and like hang out and then I like come back out again, (laughs) you know, like, I like the sound effects. I can see it. What do you think? Is there there something here? Dude, I think that, uh, I think that, um, it, there is, Mm. it makes me, um, you know, want to just cover myself in grout. I will tile you. I will tile you. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, well, right, we hope everybody. you don't get tiled of nope. this podcast. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, dude. That's, that's a- <laughs> wonderful. Well, wonderfully done. Oh, dude. There's just layers of it. Ah. Uh, what? Layers of bricks and stone. <laughs>
<laughs> I like it. It wasn't as good as tiled. Dude, no. I, 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 my, my puns did get tiled just very, yeah. Okay, I'm going to stop talking. You guys are wonderful. You guys are wonderful. Father Peter, you are wonderful. And everyone, we will be back next week with a brand new episode. And for me- the sixth Sunday. Meanwhile, for all you people who sent in um, what you did, uh, do what you do during the podcast, the overwhelming majority of you seem to be cleaning. There were also a surprising amount of bathroom references. Yeah. Like, Usually with regard to cleaning, I should clarify. Which which yeah. is either positive or negative. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like it, it, if listening to the Lanky guys, oh, uh, um, one of the McDevitts, Joseph McDevitt said, Father Peter, my godfather, is really silly. He was a the podcast. He was silly. I mean, you were right, Joseph. I, I, I felt very honored. Oh, you should. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, Joseph, we'll be back next week. We will see you then. Peace. The Word in the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.lankyguys.org. See you next week.